if, if I was a CMO, and I'd be horrible by the way, but if I was a CMO, the first thing I would do, and trust me, I'm doing this as a CCO and CCOs are just learning to do this too, which is let's not think about the way we've always done marketing. Let's think about the customer journey. Every marketing group has a customer journey map, you know, the awareness and then the nurture and then like everyone has it, right? But if you build a full end-to-end -end customer journey from day zero, when you someone first learns about your product right through to they're the greatest advocate for your product, been using it for 10 years, you map that journey. What you would find as a marketing leader is you wouldn't build marketing the way it's built today. You would build it around the life cycle of the entire customer. You're listening to Paris Talks Marketing, my goal with this podcast is to dig deeper into digital marketing success than any other marketing podcast out there, to reveal the growth marketing strategies and tactics that are working today, empowering growth at amazing companies and organizations. Keep listening as I interview founders, CEOs, and marketing leaders from all around the world, primarily from companies in the tech and software as a service industries. Now, on with the episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Paris Talks Marketing. And today I'm with Wayne McCulloch, who is the Chief Customer Officer at WalkMe. Wayne is a customer-focused executive with 25-plus years of experience leading global teams. He's the former global head of customer success at Google, Google Cloud and now is the Chief Customer Officer at WalkMe. Wayne is also the author of the best-selling book, The Seven Pillars of Customer Success. So Wayne, welcome to the show. Thanks, Paris. Great to be here. I'm excited about this conversation. Not one I've had actually on a lot of podcasts I've done lately is this particular topic. So I'm very excited to be here. Excellent. So Wayne, we had a great discussion before the show and I just want to pick up where we left off because we yep. had some great momentum. And uh, so I'll, I'll get right to the burning question, which is you have a strong opinion about how marketing in a modern SaaS company is currently broken. And what do you mean by that? Yeah, and look, I, I, I don't mean to be pick on, picking on marketing. I, I think it's bigger than marketing for sure. Um, it, it stretches across a lot of how we organize our companies today in the SaaS world is still clinging to the old school way of doing software, you know, 30 years ago, the way we have the silos and we have marketing and they're focused on a certain set of attributes and metrics. We've got success, support and services still in these siloed functions you know, just everything is how it used to be. We, we, we paint it differently. We have better UI. We, we talk faster and better about SaaS. But the reality is we haven't really evolved in any way. And it really comes to the fore for me as a chief customer officer when I'm working with a marketing function and my peers as well. We talk about this a lot where we still see such a heavy emphasis on the logo acquisition on, on the, the, the funnel acquisition, on the MQL, like it's the same metrics and, and everyone's like, we've got it operationalized. We've got these cool tools. We, we, we can measure everything. And like, it feels like everyone's patting themselves on the back. Meanwhile, we're missing a whole bunch of marketing expertise sitting where actually where all the revenue sits, where all the profitability of a company sits, where the higher probability of success sits. We're ignoring it for the most part. We, we lip service it for sure, but we actually are not structuring our marketing organizations to understand and take advantage of the new way customers buy, consume software these days. So walk me through how, how most customers are buying SaaS now at, at the B2B level. And how is that different than it was, say, 20 years ago? 
Yeah, I think it's no secret now that you know customers have more information than they've ever had. They're more connected to understanding what solutions are going to fit. The, the role of marketing, trying to educate and get people, that that is dissipated significantly. We've seen that, right? We can go to G2. We can look up who are the best products. We can actually get genuine customer reviews and see what they like and don't like and the benefits. And all. The customer can do all that work. When they come to any vendor, <clears throat> they've already pretty much decided that's the vendor they want. They have to throw a couple in to you know, show due diligence. And at the end of the day, you got to quickly work out, are we the actual vendor they want or are we the the cannon fodder to get the prices down right so the evolution around how to be smart about detecting that and executing against that has not been built out we're still thinking you know this is a traditional sale we're going to go convince them we're the right player we're going to show them all the fancy stuff we do and again give them all the we're better than the competitor and the customer already knows that stuff and they already know that you know what you're saying is is going to be biased so I don't think we've really evolved that part of understanding through the sales process. And I think when it comes into my sort of world, when it's the post-logo acquisition world, we don't play a big enough part in, in that conversation because customers kind of know this is the product I want. I need, I need to feel comfortable that you can implement, you can get adoption, you can drive value faster than your competitors and continue to evolve and work with me in an effortless way. That's actually the competitive differentiator. Price is obviously usually a, a, a component, but if you have a better experience, you negate the price component completely. So all our focus is on why we're the shiny new toy, why our features are the best, why our pricing is competitive, why the, the analysts say this, why the G2 review says it. Like a lot of focus is there, but the customer already knows all that. They're interested more now in the differentiators that are not about price and feature functionality. And that's where customer experience is really important. And that's where marketing, smart, savvy marketing organizations are working really closely with both the customer and the sales side of the, the corporations to, to drive a message, to drive um, the story that is able to um, articulate that differentiator that makes customers feel, or prospects feel more comfortable picking you as a vendor. I know, because I do it myself. We're buying technology here for support and consulting and training and success. And we're always looking at tech stacks and talking to vendors. The only thing I care about is, can you give me the differentiated experience that helps me achieve the differentiated experience I want to give to my customers? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And do you think that the role of, uh, let's say, product-led growth is more suitable now where people aren't necessarily obliged to speak to a salesperson, but if they're a more educated, savvy buyer... They can just get their hands on the product immediately and use it for free during a trial period or a freemium version. Do you think that's a better model now for SaaS? I I, I think it was um, it was Saster or somewhere else. We're looking at like the amount of product led growth companies is tiny. Like it has way more conversation time allocated to it than it deserves because it's not really a big thing. It's just not like. Other vendors are pushing it because it's in their interest to push a product-led growth strategy. I think it works really well in the B2C space, absolutely. But in the world of B2B, if you're pushing a PLG product, it's not a hugely valuable product, in my opinion. Blanket statement, some little star there with the caveat of certain products. But at the end of the day, everyone wants to be product-led growth because it's the cool thing. 
It's just like saying, hey, we're a customer-centric company. It's the cool thing. It's just, you know, it's just one of those things where vendors are trying to make something real and people jump on it to sound like they know what's going on. But in my opinion, PLG is not a great way of a long-term sustaining sort of um, relationship and a growth strategy for the majority of B2B products. B2C, yes, some B2B, but pretty rare. It's a great way to get in. It's a great way to get started. But then the real challenge is how do I keep the customer? Because it's so easy to just do that with your competitor's product and move over there. Like, And so you start to realize this product-led growth falls down. It's got to be customer-led growth. It's got to be all about how do I make the customer successful, not how do I make the product easy to install and configure and go viral in a company? Because that doesn't long-term do anything. In fact, it creates future churn. What you've got to be thinking about is if it's customer-led growth, sure, my mechanism for getting started is through the product, but the reality is if I'm not delivering the differentiated experiences, proving out value, identifying new opportunities and value, understanding the politics inside the company, the industry that they're in, and bringing together the capabilities of my my product as well as the customers that are getting value already and connecting the dots, all of that is nothing to do with PLG. And so I feel like PLG, while sure, it's a cool way to get started, sure, it's a great way to to, to try things. Um, I don't think it's a really smart strategy longer term. And I just think we're just hyped it up too much, personally. Now, we, you shared a statistic with me earlier also about something around the, the range of 70% of of net new revenue now is coming from existing customers rather than newly acquired customers. Did I get that right? Yeah, I think it obviously depends on your maturity. So when you're a $10 million company, that's not true. But when you start getting into the hundreds of millions of dollars, in any SaaS products, particularly how you design it, your land and expand model is going to generate somewhere between 55 and 80% of your additional future revenue comes from the customer base. Look at a Salesforce, for example, you're like $20 billion. Well, how much actually comes from new customers? It's not 50%. It's like way less than that. The oh, money coming scale, from maybe 5% or something or less. Right. It's tiny, right? So as you get bigger as a company, what doesn't happen usually is your marketing function doesn't also change where it focuses its time. So what happens is, yeah, you're a $1 billion company. You have 100 people in marketing. 98 of them are focused on logo acquisition. Then you're a $2 billion company. Now you're 200 people in marketing and still 196 people are now focused on logo acquisition. We we don't understand the, the, the economics here at all. And I see this and my peers see this is we're not recognizing where we're putting effort and investment in marketing in the right places. We just keep piling more and more on to go into logo acquisition and missing the true opportunity, which is the existing customer base. Yeah. How can companies identify where they are in that, in that life cycle in order to uh, really to just retool and restructure their marketing function to be more customer focused? Is it a certain amount of revenue or is it a certain number of customers where you start to say, Hey, now we need to take, you know, we're putting 80% of our marketing budget on acquisition and, and funnel acquisition. And that, that 80% needs to dramatically shift over to a retention and upsell. But what, what are the signals that would tell a CMO, we need to start making this transition? Is it, is it the size? Is it the, how can they, how can they uh, prepare for this? And, and what are some of the, 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 the things to, to watch for? 
Yeah, there's no number or metric specifically, but you're right in, in, in what you're saying, which is what are the flags? What are the indicators that tell me, hmm, maybe, maybe I should take a step back and rethink where we're going to place our bets, where we're going to invest more. Um, and for me, it's things like these pivotal points that happen. I'll give you an example. Um, all of a sudden, less than 50% of your revenue is coming from net new customers. That's a, that's a flag right there that says, whoa, something has shifted here where we're now starting to see revenue generation occurring more in the customer base than it is in the net new logo acquisition side of the house. That would be an indicator to say, all right, are we, are we appropriately allocating the resources to go after this larger pool of where future revenues is going to come from? And, and I think when I think about it, if, if I was a CMO, and I'd be horrible, by the way. But if I was a CMO, the first thing I would do, and trust me, I'm doing this as a CCO, and CCOs are just learning to do this too, which is let's not think about the way we've always done marketing. Let's think about the customer journey. Everyone has a customer journey map. Every marketing group has a customer journey map, you know, the awareness and then the nurture and then like everyone has it, right? But if you build a full end-to-end customer journey from Day one, day zero, when you someone first learns about your product, right through to they're the greatest advocate for your product, been using it for 10 years. You map that journey. What you would find as a marketing leader is you wouldn't build marketing the way it's built today. You would build it around the life cycle of the entire customer. Now, I can tell you, most marketing people will tell you they already do it. It's like we're customer centric. Everyone in any company says that. But you look at, are you really customer centric? I use examples all the time like, I, hey, is your professional services customer centric? Yes. How do you pay them and compensate your consultants? Uh, billable utilization, um, margin, um, P&L, like none of it is customer centric, right? It's all internal metrics. Like wouldn't, why wouldn't you have time to value? Why wouldn't you have advocacy? They should be the, that, that's how you know if you're really customer centric. So you can say it, it's really easy, but doing it is hard. The same here. Yes, we have a customer journey map. Yes, we're looking at all of this. But for me, there's, there's your acquisition, there's your adoption, there's your retention, there's your growth, there's your advocacy, and there's your community. That's how I'd structure marketing. I would think about it across all of those aspects. Not the, And right now, all the focus is sitting over here at the acquisition, all the metrics, all the compensation plans, all the org designs, all the people all sit there. And then you have this little pocket of people probably less than 10% of your organization who's like, oh, I, I do customer communication. Oh, I'm doing community or I'm doing advocacy. And I'm like, no, that's not, that's just lip service. Like where are the, where's the teams of people who are focused on these things? And that's what's missing is we just haven't adapted to how the, how the world of software is purchased, consumed and adopted, expanded on, advocated around. We just have not adapted as a rule. There are very few, there are some, but there are very few marketing leaders who have taken this next step and it's harming the growth of SaaS companies in a big way, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Is there, can, can you just run through those again? Cause that was very interesting. So you've got acquisition, you've got adoption. Yep. Um, you've got retention. Retention. You've got the growth. Mm -hmm. And then you've got community, community. Just taking care of the ecosystem and the way it's perceived. So I'll give you a really good example. A company that knows how to take care of the ecosystem is Salesforce, right? Everyone knows the trailblazers. 
Everyone knows Trail. Like that, that is a company that understands and says, oh, actually the value for us and our future growth is not new logo acquisition. It's existing people. We're going to shift the whole company's, the way we design our marketing look and feel, the way we talk, the way we present. You look at Mark Benioff and Dreamforce always has a customer on stage or anyone who presents any session always has a customer with them. The trailblazer concept is all about the customer because they recognize that at some point, this new, lo- this new logo act with this new revenue coming in from new logos is going to be tiny and insignificant compared to this other area. And so think of switching your whole marketing dynamic, the whole approach. Even when you do logo acquisition, you're using your customer marketing. You're using the how you speak to customers. Be a trailblazer. Come join these people. Let me tell you about these people. It's nothing about our product. It's about the people. It's about the customers. It's about their success. And just companies don't get that, right? They're still stuck in the, let's get the funnel and let's really focus on the MQL. We're going to pay you for how much you bring in the door. We don't care if they stay or don't stay. We don't care if they advocate or don't advocate. We don't care if they're the wrong customer and it really burns your resources on support and services and gives us bad review. Like they don't care because they're not paid to care. They're not compensated. And and when you think about these other functions, I'm sure there's marketing people out there going, well, we we have advocacy. I got an advocacy. I got three people and we have Influitive and we're, and I'm like, well, wrong again. You don't own advocacy. Like the customer function, your customer success or the chief customer office, they own advocacy. They talk to the customer every day. They sit there. They, they feel the joint pain. They celebrate the joint wins. Your job is not to drive advocacy. Your job is to take the advocacy that's been built and to amplify it and to let the world know of this great success. So even if you do have people focused on these areas, even the focus of those people is not correct. And I think there's huge opportunity here for companies to really accelerate revenues and profits and stories of success by just reimagining what the power of a marketing organization with their tools and their insights could do if you just shifted the focus and compensated people on on the existing customer base more. I'm not saying it has to be all that way, although some companies like like a Salesforce that they get it more and more has gone that way than it is to the new logo acquisition because this engine is fueling the logo acquisition. So it, you're getting a double win there. But I'm just saying, if we just started to slowly shift, you would see the impact. So Wayne, how do you actually capture the signals, the data and the signals that uh, correlate very highly to uh, a CSQL? And how do you get that back to the acquisition part of of the life cycle? So what I'm getting at here is if you know that certain types of companies that have a certain adoption curve or their, their land and expand uh, momentum looks a certain way, or it could even be the way that they're, they're using the product, especially in, in the initial uh, period. Can that, can that data actually be then transported back into, into the acquisition stage so that even the ad platforms themselves can bid more intelligently when they, when they see, when they see prospects uh, on search or on uh, LinkedIn or on Facebook? Yeah, I think absolutely. I, I think then there are some companies out there tackling this, but the reality is, you know, you just need a data platform that's capturing this stuff. I feel like, you know, I spent a, a few years at Looker um, and then inside Google in Google Cloud and looking at, you know, the way data can be used today so much more sophisticated. 
you've got companies out there that have their you know power bi or their uh, tableau dashboards and they think they're cool like we got we got dashboards we know what's going on like let's check out this cool graph and chart and you know and and that's though 10 years ago right what we're really missing is data experiences and data applications where you could literally build applications that tell you we we actually had this uh, look at that exact scenario where a gaming company was using the data platform to automatically through an api place bids for advertising shrank the amount they were spending, quadrupled the amount of revenue they were bringing in because they were using Looker as a data platform to give them the signals to say, hey, historically, when customers and consumers behave this way, this is what they do next. And so suddenly you're purchasing at the exact point in time you need to grab that ad space to capitalize on that need based on the data. This is not, this is just a data platform. Like the data platform can do anything. And so my, my point is you're exactly right, which is companies are working that out very slowly. And that, da- that, that use of data to automate the decisions is still lacking in a lot of companies. Again, we think, are you a data company? You, do you make data-driven decisions? Oh, all day long. I got, I got dashboard. Look at this. I got this dashboard. I got that dashboard. Like I'm making decisions based on dashboards. And I'm like, nope. That's not what it is. Like that's again, that's lip service. That's checkbox. Yes, we have a cool BI tool. That is wrong, right? It is not truly understanding what it means to be data driven. Just like it, you know, from marketing or customer success, we just we're we're not giving it its due respect, and we think that checkbox is enough. And the companies that do that are missing out on huge opportunities. Yeah, I think there's another aspect to this too, Wayne, which is that. In probably a year or maximum two years, uh, third-party cookies are going to be going away, and Google has announced it. I think that they postponed it a little bit, but that future is coming for, for sure. And when third-party cookies go away, Google especially, and also Facebook, are going to need more than ever, they're going to need customers' data to, to fill in the gaps, to supplement the loss of accuracy, uh, targeting accuracy that third-party cookies have provided for the last decade or so. And the companies that are, that are savvy enough to utilize their, their data, their first-party data, and to, and to construct it in a way that it can predict a high lifetime value of a customer, even as early as the time of the ad click or the time of the conversion, that's, a, that's massive because the ad, not, only, not only does the advertiser win, by eliminating wasted spend and focusing their ad spend on, on higher value customers or prospects, but that the platforms in a post third-party cookie world are going to need this data to deliver ROI to their advertisers. And it starts with Google. And it's no secret that Google has been ringing this bell for uh, probably a year plus, And it's part of their, their shift towards value-based bidding where they're yep. saying we can we can stop bidding on a target CPA. We can help you bid to value. But in order to do so, you've got to give us CRM data or you've got to give us uh, other data that shows us who is who are your valuable customers so that we can go out and find more people like that instead of just bidding, say, $30 for every single lead, whether it's IBM or whether it's this th- three-person startup. Uh, and that, to me, is how all this comes together from a data perspective. It's being able to aggregate that data and utilize it by feeding it into the ad platforms. Yeah. When I was at uh, Looker again and the data platform, we had a large entertainment company that found, and it was really cool. They actually looked at things like 
they worked out from their own internal data that if someone goes to a theme park and has this app downloaded, those two things correlate to a 90% chance of converting to this online streaming product, right? So, so straight away, they're looking at their data and saying, if you have this and you have this, I now need to market this product to this person because it has a huge conversion rate that generates revenue, right? Now, what's really weird is like the person doesn't understand this, right? They just go into a theme park. They're just on there, whatever yeah. app, go on the way to work and they get this ad and they're like, oh yeah, I need that. Like it's so, it, it's a simple example, but it's exactly yeah. what you're saying, which is this first party data that you have tells you so much and either you're smart enough to work it out because you have great data platform and data scientists, or you're going to have to give it to someone who's smart enough to work it out for you. Either way, you've got to do that. And then I want to just layer on the customer experience element that the, the ability to identify either value or an experience to someone that they will really appreciate, love, enjoy, whatever, that is so hypercritical now, especially when it comes to choosing not just what to advertise, but how to advertise. You're thinking more of this empathy around the person you have these characteristics of a person that say this product may be a great fit but then the message that you send is not about your one time this is our corporate message this is how we talk about like very brand specific guidelines like the rules we have in marketing on how we talk about our offerings yeah you You have to now dynamically change yeah you've got to dynamically change the story based on more information you know about that individual I'm not saying we don't do that today. I'm just saying companies have to really accelerate that because the tools you've had and the cookies and all these other things you've had in the past go away. You've got to start pivoting to something different. Companies that are thinking about that today are going to have a head start. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I'll come back to the ad platforms and their development. And I'll start with Google Ads. And and we were both at Google. But there's a new campaign type that's called Performance Max. And that just... uh, that's just Google saying, give me all of your assets, give me videos, give me images, give me headlines and copy. And we're going we're gonna to figure out how to construct the funnel and we'll handle the data-driven attribution side. And we'll, we'll, we'll test all combinations and permutations of, of journeys and headline A with copy B. And all you really need to do now is focus on your audience segments. So if customer success says, hey, you know what? We've always focused on these three personas, but I've got 10 other personas that are, maybe they're more micro personas, yep. but I've identified 10 more unique pain points. And now marketing, we need to have messaging that really touches on these pain points. And then marketing can plug it into something like Performance Max. And then AI, AI does the rest. AI gets you to that last step where it'll make sure that the right message gets in front of the right person in the right moment. And I think that's another big shift is that the, the, the classic approach to persona research means that I might have three personas, I might have maximum five personas, yep. but with a well-functioning customer success team, they might say, hey guys, there are now 20 unique you know, pain points and, and micro personas that we need to speak to. So the messaging matrix suddenly is, is quadrupled. And that means we need a lot more creative. We need copywriters to come up with lots more different um, tests of messaging. We need different videos. So I think that even the performance creative function has to move a lot faster and produce a lot more than it ever has in the past. Yeah, I think, you're, I, I think you've nailed it because, again, you think of traditional how we've always worked. We have these personas, we craft these messages, we look at the channels and off we go, right? Hasn't really changed much, decades. Like that's just the model. 
and this is going back to we have to reimagine the, the way people consume content, the way people purchase content, um, the way people advocate for content has shifted and changed. And we're trying to change too, I get it. But in your example, you're exactly right, which is not only can we have more personalized journeys at scale from a marketing perspective, because because technology allows us to scale. And in fact, but but you're, what you're saying, and I agree with this, actually it's now demanding that you change the way you do it. Because not only do we have more personas, like at WalkMe, for example, we've looked at the segments of customers and we realized the way we segment for sales is not the way we segment for experience. Two different segments. We, because the way people buy and the way people then consume are different. So now I've got segments for the front end and segments for the back end. And you overlay personas into both. You talk about complex matrix. You're talking about 8, 10, 12 times the complexity of how do I get the right messages that are tailored specifically to the right persona in the right segment at the right point of the journey. And there's so many that I actually think, you know, Google smart in the way they're approaching it, which is most companies can't do this. They just can't. We can, so we'll do it. We have the technology, we have the capacity, we have, but what we don't have is the data about your people who are the persona, who are other segments and that you have that. And we don't have the content. You have that. So yeah, your your job now is shifting significantly from trying to drive and understand and work these things out to let someone else do that work for you, focus in on the content and the different types of content based Absolutely. on the personas and segments. Yep. Uh, yeah, we're, we're just at the top, the tip of the spear. Like we're just getting started, mm-hmm. right? So it is a multi-year yeah. journey and no doubt within those years, technology and things will shift and change too. But the companies that are starting to shift those resources, starting to think that way of, not only just what do we have that Google doesn't have, it's what don't we have that we should get for Google. Like the, the two aspects are there. I think companies that start thinking that way and then, yeah, invest more in that creative element to be able to feed the machine is going to net much better results. Um, look, I'm on, I'm on a journey here on the, the non-marketing side of the house and as a CCO, as a chief customer officer, my job is to reinvent how we manage customers in that life cycle along with the marketing org, who's also doing their transformation or should be doing their transformation and then working out how we can partner together because you, you, the marketing organization has all this content and all this data or should around our customer. Then you have a team that's actually responsible for developing, create, finding, extracting, building the content that goes into that engine and again, these two organizations have not come together other than, yes, we do a newsletter. Yes, we've got an advocacy program, you know, awards or whatever. Like, it's just not mature enough yet. And that is something we can control and can do today while these other transformations are happening. And it can help accelerate those transformations. So let's get started today. Yeah, I hear you. I'm, I'm 100% behind you there, Wayne. Cool. Well, this has been fantastic. Was there anything that I haven't asked you that you think would benefit our audience? Yeah, I don't think we have the time, Paris. I think there's. I think we could do a part two and a part three, absolutely. But um, no, this was great. Um, and again, I just really appreciate the opportunity. You know, it's it's commonplace for me. I'm, I'm always asked for customer success, chief customer or customer experience. I'm doing all, a lot of those podcasts or conferences. But I very often, uh, very few times do I get to cross-pollinate other functions and organizations where I actually think there is tremendous opportunity for partnership. So thank you for reaching out. I appreciate it. Sure. All right, Wayne. Well, have a great one. It was a pleasure. You too. 
Cheers. Thanks a lot. Bye. Another great episode in the books. Hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get notified when future episodes drop, be sure to subscribe to Paris Talks Marketing on your favorite podcast player. And to learn more about our growth marketing agency, visit hop.online. That's hop, H-O-P dot online. Have a great day.